0: I'm Katie, registered dietitian, wife to Jeremy, and mom to three littles. As a dietitian with an integrative approach, my goal is to take complex topics ranging from metabolic health, weight loss, and even hormones, and to simplify them down so that you can use this info to inform your decisions and really to grow into the healthiest you possible. With guests ranging from fellow nutrition professionals and entrepreneurs to fireside chats with friends, My hope is that you find this podcast fun, informative, and empowering. This is the Simply Functional Nutrition Podcast with Katie. This week, I am jumping in with a solo episode because I wanted to take some time to dive in to PCOS and specifically PCOS and insulin resistance. Because if you're a client of mine or you have been following along, so many of those that I get to connect with have been told that they have PCOS and or insulin resistance. And the downside of that is in our modern medical system, often we are prescribed medications to hopefully stop the symptoms like the weight gain, the fatigue, the acne, all all of the symptoms that come along with PCOS. But really there's a lack of education of what is going on hormonally behind the PCOS diagnosis, and what can we do if we have insulin resistance? Can we even approach it from a holistic route, or is medication actually the only answer? Well, of course, as a functional dietitian, I am here to tell you, medication does not have to be the answer. I actually have seen so many times, clients coming, we work on the lifestyle changes, and their symptoms subside, right? They don't necessarily, they're not cured of PCOS, but their symptoms are managed, and they live a totally normal life. You would never know the wiser that they even have it. So we're going to dive into the insulin resistance piece of PCOS and how you can address that from a lifestyle change and see the end to your unexplained weight gain or your irregular cycles. We're going to dive into that today. I'll start by keeping it brief, describing what exactly PCOS is. So PCOS stands for for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now it can be diagnosed in a number of different ways and an official diagnosis does come from testing done via ultrasound, there's some lab work done. But those that have PCOS, typical symptoms look like an ovulation or a lack of ovulation or being able to identify your ovulation in a cycle. And with that, you might have some irregular cycles. You also have high levels of androgens, which are our sex hormones, and you can have small cysts on your ovaries, which you see that through an ultrasound. So while all of those are ways to identify that, yes, you in fact have PCOS, there are some pretty typical symptoms with PCOS because it really at the heart of PCOS is insulin resistance. And we're going to kind of dive into what exactly is insulin resistance and then how you can address it from a holistic route so if you feel like you might have PCOS but you're unsure and you have not been officially diagnosed other just telltale signs besides the ovulation because obviously we can't do lab work from our home we don't have an ultrasound machine at home but there are some other telltale signs besides the anovulation and that includes excessive hair growth acne particularly around the jawline so kind of think like that cystic acne Um, You might have some weight gain that you're going, I haven't done anything different than I've done my whole life, but now all of a sudden I'm just gaining this weight out of nowhere. What's going on? Those are all some signs that you could potentially have underlying PCOS. But let's go back to insulin resistance now. So like I said, at the heart of PCOS is insulin resistance. And what exactly does that mean? Well, insulin is a hormone that our pancreas produces. And insulin's job is to help our cells allow sugar to enter into the cell to use it for energy. So just to put it simply, anytime we eat, our body gets the signal, hey, we have to put out insulin and tell our cells to take up that sugar. So if you think about you walk up to the front door of your house, you have a house key to unlock that door, to open it up and to walk in. The insulin plays the role of that house key. It unlocks the door to the cell to allow the sugar in. But the issue is when we become insulin resistant, our body is producing insulin, no problem. But the cell is not responding to the signal of the insulin saying, hey, we've got some sugar that needs to be used for energy. Now, I gave examples of potential ways to identify if you think you have PCS, like the, the facial hair and the, the acne and the weight gain. But specifically when we're dealing with insulin resistance, there are some other telltale signs. And this can include things like cravings for sweets or salty foods. You're just craving these types of foods all the time. Maybe you're noticing some darkening of the skin around like the armpits, a groin area behind the neck. That darkening is also a good sign that we've got some insulin resistance going on. Also fatigue, frequent or increased urination and along with that we've got some increased thirst and even kind of this kind of is an odd one but it can be connected as tingling sensation in the hands and feet so all of these are signs that something is just not working as it should when it comes to our body's production of insulin and how we're able to utilize it so now that we have this little science breakdown of what pcos is what insulin resistance is let's take a step back and say okay I think I might have PCOS. If you're listening and you're going, okay, my alarm bells are ringing, I think I might be dealing with some PCOS, or at the very least, maybe I'm headed in that direction and I'm experiencing some of these insulin resistant symptoms. Okay, I definitely don't want to go on medication. I want to have a family in the future, or maybe you want to have a family now and you're working to get healthier. Where do we go from here? Where do we start? Well, I'm Katie the dietitian. That's what I do. That's what I specialize in. So let's break down some ways to combat that insulin resistance. Like I said, PCOS we're not looking to cure it. It's not a condition that is specifically cured, but it absolutely can be managed. By the way we live our lives. So I'm going to dive in from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective of some hacks to help you become more insulin sensitive. So like I just explained, if insulin resistance is our body resisting the signal that insulin is putting out. We want to increase our sensitivity to it, right? We want to be more sensitive when our body produces insulin so that our body doesn't have to produce an excess of insulin and we have all those downstream negative effects being all of the symptoms that I described earlier. So let's jump in. We'll start with food and controlling our carbohydrates. Number one with controlling our carbohydrates. So carb-controlled nutrition is our first point of managing insulin resistance. So if we think about the macronutrients, carbs, protein, and fat, carbohydrates are our our foods that are broken down into simple sugars in the body and used for energy. That is very simply put, but carbs are where we're getting our sugar from, and this is where it can be potentially problematic when we're dealing with insulin resistance. So how do we eat in a way that is carbohydrate controlled? Ultimately, our goal is to prevent major highs and major lows with our blood sugar. So think about a roller coaster versus a steady rolling hill. We want that steady rolling hill. And that's why eating in a carbohydrate controlled way is going to be so beneficial for managing the ups and downs of blood sugar. So there's a couple things we can do. First off, anytime we eat, whether that's a snack or a full on meal, you want to make sure that you not only have carbohydrates with you, but you also pair it with protein and fat. Protein and fat play the role of satiety in slowing down the rate of digestion, which then leads to that slower, more level blood sugar rise as opposed to a major spike. So let's give an example of what that could look like at breakfast. Typically, an American's diet might be waffles or a piece of toast or oatmeal as we're running out of the door headed to work or school or wherever we're going in the morning. We want to put an end to that where it's a carb-forward meal and flip it kind of on its head and think, okay, let's have a protein-forward meal with some healthy fats with a little bit of carbs. We're kind of reimagining how we approach each meal. So for breakfast, instead of that bowl of oatmeal, I'm going to find my protein first. That might look like eggs or chicken sausage or cottage cheese, maybe a protein shake, we're going to make sure that we have protein on board. And a good baseline for most is shooting for about 30 grams of protein per meal. Then we can kind of make our way around to where am I getting my healthy fats? And then where are my carbohydrates coming from? So let's say I I decided on eggs for breakfast or eggs paired with some cottage cheese, and I've got up to 30 grams of protein. Well, we also know cheese and eggs naturally have fat alongside them, right? If you think of the egg, it's got the white and the yellow in it. That yellow is where we're getting the fat. So we've got our protein and fat on board. Now it's time to incorporate a carbohydrate. A little caveat with incorporating carbs is I want to encourage you to go more towards a whole food carbohydrate source. So think comparing something like a piece of toast to strawberries. Both are carbohydrates, which mean ultimately both as they are digested come out to be sugars in the bloodstream, but something like a piece of bread is more processed. It's considered an ultra-processed product, meaning it went through a processing where it was stripped away of things like fiber and it was combined, it was made into a super simple form and then created into bread form. So the body's role of digestion isn't really, it's not really happening with a piece of bread because it's basically I know this sounds kind of funny, but it's basically pre-digested because of all the processing that's going on. So if the body doesn't have to work to break it down, then it hits our bloodstream a lot faster, which if we're trying to slow that rate of absorption, that's going to cause a spike that we don't want. Whereas if we think about a strawberry, minus washing it, it's been untouched. So it still has its fiber content in the form of those seeds. The body still has to work hard to break it down And it naturally has vitamins and minerals ready to go packaged perfectly in nature. So making that switch from processed carbohydrates to a more whole foods based carb after you've eaten your protein and fat is going to be your first step of managing your blood sugar and improving that insulin sensitivity when dealing with PCOS which then leads me right into my second point. So if the first is being carb-controlled meals, just like I explained and gave an example of, the number two is we want a food sequence. And that's just a fancy way of saying ordering the way that you eat your food. I love this step because it doesn't require you necessarily to spend a lot of money or do anything majorly different besides just being intentional about the order in which you eat your food. So we start... And it's the same principle of when you go to figure out what it is you're going to eat, you start with your protein and figure out what your protein is going to be. Same thing with your order of eating it. You're going to start with your protein. Then you're going to move on to your fat or non-starchy vegetables if it's like a dinner or a lunch. Um, or vegetables at breakfast. Shoot, I'm a fan of that. I just know it's not as typical. But you're going to start with your protein and fat, then move on to any sort of veggies or lower carbohydrate option, and then end with your most starchy or or most condensed carbohydrate. Just by being specific about the order in which you eat your food, that helps that blood sugar spike We tend to ensure that we're getting enough protein if we're forcing ourselves to start with the protein, right? We're not filling up on everything else. And then the protein is the last minute, last thing that we think about on the plate. No, it's actually quite the opposite, and that's going to be really good for managing the blood sugar and improving insulin sensitivity. So food sequencing is a huge tool that we can utilize, and it just doesn't take a lot of effort. You can start doing that the next time you go to eat today. So that's why I love, love, love this particular blood sugar balancing tool. Katie here. Did you know that in the U.S., the personal care industry is very underregulated? This means that there are tens of thousands of ingredients in the marketplace that have not been tested on human health. Because of this, I am super selective about the products that I bring into my home for me and my family. That's why my clean beauty brand of choice is Beauty Counter. For 10 years, Beauty Counter has been the leading personal care brand for safer, cleaner ingredient products that actually work. And listen, I only endorse products on this podcast that I personally love and use. Now, I've been using Beauty Counter for five years, but I hit the big 3-0 this year, and that was a pretty big deal for me. I want to continue to age beautifully, but not at the price of my hormone health. If you're like me and you want to make the switch to safer, head over to beautycounter.com slash spencer and start shopping today. Once again, beautycounter.com slash Katie Spencer, and that's Katie, K-A-T-Y, Spencer. If you're brand new to Beauty Counter, use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off your first order. Okay, so strap in for number three. This one is super cool. Number three of helping improve insulin sensitivity is taking apple cider vinegar before a meal. In recent years, research has shown that just one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar before you eat a meal reduces the blood sugar spike after that meal of up to 30%, regardless of what you eat. Now, I'm not a proponent of taking your apple cider vinegar and then just going to town on whatever you want. We still want to be intentional intentional about what we're eating. But what that says is regardless what the research is is saying is regardless of even if you have a better whole food, well-balanced meal compared to something that's not well balanced and maybe more towards the ultra processed or junk food type of of meal, even regardless, both see an improvement of postprandial or post-meal blood sugar spike, regardless of what you eat. So this is an incredible tool. For any meal, any time. So all you have to do is a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. I would say anywhere from 30 minutes to right before the meal. Take that one tablespoon and then get on with the rest of your meal. And you can certainly take it like a shot if that's your style. If that's a bit much, you just add it to like a glass of eight ounces of water and drink it that way prior to your meal. You'll still get the same effect. One thing I do want to point out because I've seen this pop up in some of my sessions with my clients is companies are smart and they know that this is becoming a wellness tool that a lot of people are using. And because of that, they've, I've seen, and this sounds so oxymoronic, I guess, is apple cider vinegar gummies, which, okay, the whole reason we're taking the apple cider vinegar is to help balance the blood sugar if we're taking it in gummy form that has sugar or even fructose, like corn syrup, then you can identify right there that that company is not actually a true wellness company helping you get healthier. It's just capitalizing on another way to make a buck and take advantage of well-meaning people trying to make healthier choices. So the easiest way to fix that is just buy the jar of apple cider vinegar. Take a shot of it or mix it with water prior to a meal avoid the gummies and honestly you can also buy capsules i've seen those as well in like a supplement form but the best most effective form is going to be that liquid apple cider vinegar all right the number 4 insulin sensitivity improving hack that you can do for those with with PCOS or insulin resistance is walking after a meal even if you just have 10 minutes i want to encourage you to utilize movement after a meal. It does not have to be any sort of intense exercise or run. It can just be simple as walking around the block or walking a couple flights of stairs or around your work office, wherever it is you are. I really love this tool as well because coming up on the holidays, we know that there are going to be parties, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, times where we're probably eating more rich, denser foods because of the time of year you can still enjoy those meals and do it in a insulin conscious way. And adding those walks post-meal is going to help you reduce that blood sugar spike. It, It basically, anytime we move after a meal, think about you've eaten the meal and your blood sugar's up because your body is digesting and absorbing the carbohydrates from that meal, causing a spike in blood sugar. When our body starts to move, our body is requiring more energy right? Like our, it's saying, Hey, I need energy to, to make this move happen. Even if it is as simple as just walking, it's still burning and requiring more energy. So then our cells become extra sensitive to the insulin that's floating around in our bloodstream because our cells are basically thirsty or are hungry for some energy to be able to keep you moving and feeling good. So it's a great way to, if we know that our blood sugar's up or we know that it's spiked post meal, We get walking and it makes our cells super sensitive to using up that energy in the form of sugar that's floating around. The last number five kind of insulin sensitivity hack that I want to give you is to eat with the daylight hours. Meaning if the sun is up, use that as your time of eating. Once the sun's down, try to cut it off. Now, this is not an intermittent fast. Don't get that confused with a... I I like to say it's like a 12-hour fast. I don't really consider that intermittent fasting because you're really just eating along the circadian rhythm, right? You're eating in harmony with the daylight hours and you're resting and you're refraining from eating in the moon or the evening hours. This is especially helpful because it prevents us from going right to bed with an elevated blood sugar. So say that you cut off dinner, it's by, you know, you eat dinner and you're done eating by 6 p.m. The sun goes down. Maybe you go to bed between 9 and 10, but you haven't eaten anything. And that is a great thing right before bed. Because what do we do when we go to sleep? We burn, our body basically goes on autopilot, right? We burn very, while we do still burn energy, we burn very little. And so we do not want to go to bed with a spike in our blood sugar and nowhere for that sugar to go. Because then we create that insulin resistance and our blood sugar is just riding high all night long, or maybe not all night long, but certainly hours after we need it to be. Because the role of food is to provide energy, right? Like the role of food is to help us survive, help us to have energy, to complete daily tasks, to keep our bodies up and moving and thriving. It's not something that we want spiked right before we go into a state of burning very little energy. So that's just a simple one is eating. If you can just remember to eat with with your circadian rhythm, eat within the daylight hours, refrain once the sun's down. That's a simple way to just cut it off and help balance that blood sugar. So let's put a bow on it. For anyone that's been recently diagnosed with PCOS and you're feeling frustrated, maybe you're feeling scared or disappointed and like you don't want to be on medicine your whole life, take this episode as an encouragement that you do not have to be. We are in control of what our health trajectory can be. You can absolutely manage your PCOS symptoms through healthy lifestyle habits. And it is habits, right? It's, think of it, I know this is kind of a popular phrase that I'm seeing circling around, but it's called habit stacking. And I think it's really well-placed and well-intentioned. And the idea is that if one habit, let's take let's take, because we were just talking about it, eating around the circadian rhythm. Imagine a house that's built with bricks, and that is one brick, right? Eating with your circadian rhythm, that's one brick. But as we stack more bricks, um, you know, walking after meals, going whole food based, focusing on your protein first, like all of these are habits that we can stack brick by brick. Over time, it makes a difference. And over time, you will build a healthy home that is free of having to put a Band-Aid on it using birth control. Because while I won't get into birth control in this episode, it is in fact a Band-Aid. It's not addressing the root cause of what's going on. So the underlying issues are never resolved if we're just taking, taking medicine and calling it a day. So you can absolutely help dial back, reverse those symptoms of PCOS, and live a fruitful, happy, and healthy life. But it's just going to take some consistent habit stacking. If this is all totally new to you, I encourage you to pick one, start there, feel like you're really mastering it, Before you move on to the next, you can absolutely do this and I'm cheering you on. I see women every single day that are doing it as well and are finding success and you can too. Thank you for listening to Simply Functional Nutrition with Katie. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, I would appreciate a five-star rating and share with your friends. Learn more at simplyspencer.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram at simplyspencer.